Welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history and stories behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. Growing up, most Sundays after church, we had breakfast foods for lunch. My father had his own special pancake recipe that he developed that was packed with all sorts of extra grains, oats. Basically, they were very heavy-duty pancakes that would sit in your stomach for a good long while afterward. And then sometimes I would pair it with peanut butter. I don't know about you, but I love maple syrup and peanut butter together on pancakes. I haven't tried them on anything else, but on pancakes, they're very good. Or waffles. A key ingredient of these Sunday lunches was maple syrup. My family and I are divided on the matter of the best kind of syrup, however. While I like cheaper, and I must admit it's probably just that it's a higher sugar content, uh, sweeter versions of maple syrup, and my family prefers more pure maple syrup from Vermont, for example, which meant that I didn't have a lot of competition for the maple syrup of my preference, so it actually worked out quite well. So today, without further ado, we are going to talk about maple syrup as well as its main component, sap. Having also grown up camping and climbing trees and getting sap on my hands and my clothes more than once and experiencing the pain that it is to try to remove that from said hands and garments, let's start first with the building blocks of maple syrup, sap. Sap is a viscous liquid that a tree uses to transport nutrients throughout all the different parts of the tree. While the roots gather nutrients and water from the ground, the leaves of the tree produce simple sugars through photosynthesis that also need to be sent to every other part of the tree. In fact, it is the sugar in sap that keeps it from totally freezing in cold temperatures, allowing the sap to move throughout the tree. Sap is mostly made up of this sugar and water. We use sap for a number of different things. It can be used to make glue as a means to start a fire or for candles and can also be used to make turpentine. If a tree is losing too much sap, this can be detrimental to the health of the tree, although some loss of sap is relatively normal. Tree resin is only produced by trees like pines or firs that are coniferous trees. Tree sap, however, is produced by all trees. Sap is much thinner and more watery than resin, whereas resin is usually more amber in color and more viscous, so it's like a thicker liquid. When it comes to wilderness survival, sap, as well as resin, is a friendly material for us with many helpful uses. When pine trees are damaged, they ooze resin in order to help protect and heal the wound on the tree. You can actually use pine resin because it has antibacterial properties. These properties protect the tree from infection and can likewise be useful for our own uses to heal and protect our own wounds. Pine sap is an antiseptic, anti-inflammatory. Because it is sticky, it can also help close wounds and it is also useful in treating eczema. So lots of different uses for pine sap right there as far as like topical application. If you're trying to make a pine sap salve, then you need to be careful of a few things. As we already mentioned, sap is flammable, and pine sap is very flammable. So make sure that when you use pine sap, you use a double boiler to boil the sap before use. This creates some more distance between the flame and the sap, just to keep you safe. You'll then want to strain the sap to get rid of dirt and other things that might have been mixed in, and then you'll want to mix what's left with olive oil, again over a double boiler, and add some beeswax to make it more firm. 
This recipe was found at primalsurvival.net on their article by Jacob Hunter, Six Almost Forgotten Uses of Pine Tree Sap. The same article indicates that you can make a pine sap lamp, but not directly a pine sap candle. No matter the amount of beeswax added, this article states that this is because the sap will simply flame up and burn like a ball of fire rather than give you a slow candle burn. You can, however, also make a pine pitch torch. So slightly different from the candle, you can make a torch. Pine sap can be used to create a glue that is also waterproof. Pine pitch and tree sap can also be used for waterproofing generally. You can use general saps to treat wounds, to waterproof, to create glue, beyond just using pine saps or pine pitch. You can also make a pine tar soap, useful because of pine sap's antibacterial properties. You can also make sap gum, which can help your teeth. Outside of survival aids, sap can be used for food as well. One with which you may be most familiar is the one that we mentioned at the beginning here, maple syrup. And we have the Native American peoples to thank for this tasty syrup. Sap from the maple tree is the key ingredient for maple syrup. The methods and practice of tapping maple trees for sap to make the syrup was a practice taught to settlers by Native Americans. How this process was discovered and how the use of maple syrup began is relatively unknown, but there are a few stories. One story goes that sap was used to cook venison instead of water and that that was served to the chief. Traditions also include the creation of a maple dance to celebrate the sugar moon or the first moon of spring. The Algonquians of North America knew the nutritional value of maple syrup and also saw it as a source of energy. They would cut V-shapes into maple trees and use a reed or bark to direct the sap into clay buckets or woven baskets. The sap would then be left to concentrate further by freezing overnight, after which the ice would be broken and removed and the remaining contents would be boiled to create the syrup. As Europeans began to colonize North America, the indigenous peoples taught them how to tap trees. Europeans, however, eventually began to use a device called an auger, which is used to drill a hole into the tree rather than using that V-shape cut. Maple syrup was the main source of sugar and sweetener before the 19th century. By the American Civil War, cane sugar had become the main sweetener of choice, with the exception of the abolitionists, who continued to use maple syrup because cane sugar as well as molasses were produced by enslaved peoples in the South. Due to the increased popularity of cane sugar, the focus became more on perfecting the system of producing maple syrup specifically. This included innovations in how the sap was boiled, moving from rounded kettles and pans to flat pans, which allowed for faster evaporation during the boiling process because of increased surface area. The first evaporator was patented in 1858, and another evaporator, which decreased boiling time even further, was invented in 1872. The boiling time was again decreased in 1900 by the addition of flues, which are ducts or chimneys used for releasing exhaust gas. These flues were on the pans. As technology continued to improve around the world, these new developments were applied to the maple syrup process as well. Such seemingly simple improvements included using a plastic bag to catch the sap rather than buckets so that you could see how much sap had been collected very easily and at a distance. They also began to use tractors to haul sap and used steam, propane, and other fuels to boil the sap more efficiently. During the 1970s, more improvements came, among them being the use of vacuum pumps to collect sap. 
Other improvements include progress in pest control and preventing the backflow of sap in order to prevent bacteria contamination. Reverse osmosis is also used to remove some water content from the sap even before boiling. Maple trees are tapped in the spring. This is before the sap changes its flavor and becomes unusable for maple syrup. The trees are usually about 30 to 40 years old before they are tapped. When tapped, usually around 7% of the tree's sap is collected for the syrup. A maple syrup farm is usually called a sugar bush or a sugar wood. And the place where the maple syrup is boiled is usually nicknamed sugar house, sugar shanty, or sugar shack, among other nicknames, which sounds like the start of an excellent tongue twister. The main trees used for maple syrup are the red maple, the black maple, and the sugar maple trees. These species are mostly used because they have such a high sugar content, about 2 to 5%. It takes between 20 to 50 volumes of sap to boil down to one usable volume for syrup. Up until the 1930s, the United States was the main producer of maple syrup, but soon Canada overtook and is now the producer of 80% of the world's maple syrup. 70% of the global production is made in Quebec. Most of the world's maple syrup is produced by Canada and the United States. Today, in the United States, Vermont is the largest producer of maple syrup. In 2016, the export of maple syrup turned a profit of about 487 million Canadian dollars, or about 360 million US dollars at the time. At that time, Quebec alone accounted for 90% of that production. Most of Canada's exported maple syrup goes to the United States, followed by Germany, Japan, and the UK. Maple syrup is also produced on a smaller scale in Japan and South Korea, with efforts also being made to start in New Zealand. And in South Korea, the sap is also eaten. While maple syrup is a unique flavor enjoyed on pancakes, waffles, oatmeal, and more, or used as a sweetener, it is interesting to note that the chemistry behind the unique flavor is not fully understood. And in fact, there are over 90 different types of maple syrup flavors. All in all, saps of different varieties have given us a lot of gifts. Whether it be sweet syrup for pancakes or waffles, or a means of survival in the woods, I'm grateful for sap, even when it's difficult to remove. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care.